Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. On today's Movie Talk, we've got your weekend box office recap. On top of that, a Pirates in the Caribbean reboot is in the works, and we've got the very first trailer for the Grudge reboot. Going to get into it today. Hello, everyone. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. I am thrilled to be joined by John Roken, RB3 today. But first, we've got call sheet topics to hit. We're kicking it off, of course, on a Monday with your weekend box office recap. Joker wound up reclaiming the top spot. It made an estimated $8.9 million with a very impressive 35% drop. Maleficent Mistress of Evil, on the other hand, did take a bigger hit of 50%, which left it with 18 million. And then at number three, the lowest percent change of the weekend was the Adams family, and that let it take another 11.7 million. Next up now, yeah, we're going back to the uh, Martin Scorsese versus Marvel conversation because there are more quotes out here right now. The latest comes from Entertainment Tonight. The director returned to his theme park comments and said, well, look, the point is, in terms of this film, Netflix theaters, what I'm talking about really are films that are made. Let's say a family wants to go to an amusement park. That's a good thing, you know? And at theme parks, there's these cinematic expressions. They're a new art form. It's something different from films that are shown normally in theaters. That's all. Hey, guess what? We're going to leave it at that today. No more further discussion about that unless more quotes surface. Now we're moving on to our next story, which is, oh, hey, No Time to Die has officially wrapped. On Friday, it was confirmed. And on top of that, the official James Bond Twitter account shared this photo that you're looking at right now, Friday evening, with a caption that reads, that's a wrap on No Time to Die. See you in cinemas April 2020. Hashtag Bond 25. All right, moving on now. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Disney hired pirate scribe Ted Elliott and also Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin to develop a story for a new Pirates of the Caribbean film. Their report states the movie is designed to propel fresh wind into pirates. The article calls the film a reboot, but it also says it's unclear if Jack Sparrow would return as a character or if Johnny Depp would return as an actor. More on that in a little bit. And the same is true of the this next story here, which we're going to discuss in full in a panel segment today. It's the very first trailer for The Grudge Reboot. This new movie stars Andrea Riseborough, Betty Gilpin, Damian Mashir, and Lynn Shea. And again, we're going to share our thoughts on this trailer shortly. All right. I can't wait to talk about The Grudge, but we got to go through the lineup right now. And I'm still equally as excited to talk about box office, of course. But before we even get into that, hello, Roka RB3. Hey. How are you guys doing? How are your weekends? 
I'm feeling great. I, I had a great weekend. Just chilling, relaxing, listening to some Kanye West. It was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, enjoying the last vestiges of my birthday week with, uh, I just bought a record player oh, okay. a, a couple of months ago, and my girlfriend uh, surprised me with four new records. So mm. I just sat all day Sunday while she was moving her sister in San Diego and just listened to records over and over. It was real, I mean, I was 15 again. It was great. Wait, so Kanye, what were you listening to? Uh, I was listening to Bill Withers live at Carnegie Hall. Oh, okay. Little uh, Frank Bill Sinatra. Yeah, you, what do Little you know about Bill Withers? Yeah. I know a lot about Bill Withers. I'm older than you, son. Sketches of Spain from Miles Davis. I was listening to all of that. It's really good stuff for me personally. So, yeah. What I was listening to? What's that? Dr. Sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't get enough audiobooks, you, and I'm still running. Do you run with the you audiobooks? Know, no, that is what I've been doing. I could never do that. I have to have it music. It actually is really great when you have to run long distances, because if you could find a story that you could really lose yourself yeah, in, yeah. then before you know it, a really lengthy run is just over. Wow, and nice. I actually okay. think that I've officially made the decision to run the actual marathon with Dr. Sleep and not my playlist oh, okay. as previously nice. planned. Okay, so okay. it's happening. It's I happening. That. All right. Let's get into these box office numbers now because there are some pretty interesting things here. We recapped the uh, the top three just now. Roka, anything, I guess, in or out of the top three that really uh, caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, I think we didn't we didn't talk about it enough, I don't think. The Adams Family thing has been really oh, incredible yeah. how it's held on. Uh, I was it's, It was in third place now, and it's slightly below or above, rather, uh, Zombieland Double Taps, and it came in at estimated 11.6 million. It only dipped 57% in its second week, and it's at... Uh, 28. Tw- I'm sorry, 28% in its second week. Uh, tw- what, 28%? 28, 28 for the Adams Family, yeah, and yeah. Double Tap was 57. Right, right. So it's Pretty, oh, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm just pretty surprised at what it was able to do and how it's holding on uh, as an animated feature. Because no, a lot of people thought this wasn't going to hit. This wasn't going to make its money. But it's just hanging on, which tells you that there's still love for this Adams Family property. And certainly for these unusual animated uh, 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 for, uh, I don't know, films as well. Uh, I enjoyed that. And I got to give a shout out to Black and Blue. Uh, I I interviewed Tyrese uh, on Friday. That'll probably drop today sometime or out now. Tyrese Gibson talking about it. And that thing got an A-plus cinema score and made $8.3 million over the weekend. Look, a lot of people... as. As a police, like corrupt police drama with a black lead, like you're not sure if it's going to catch people's attention, but it did. And it's supposedly a really damn good movie. So I love that. I'm happy about seeing smaller films kind of surprise people out of the gate. I yeah. do. I do really want to see that. I. Yeah. It's like even with the A plus cinema score, it opened so small that like how much can the word of mouth really catch on? And there's yeah. just so much competition. I was one of the Adams family naysayers. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just we because when Abominable came out, I did really like that. So my attention mm. was so mm. focused on that that I'm like, oh, you know, that might take a little of uh, a little of the momentum away from Adams family. And it also felt like Adams family wasn't pushed as heavily as many of the the major studio animated movies. So I I don't know. I wasn't feeling too high on that. Now look at it, because I had predicted that Zombieland Double Tap was going to come in at number three again, and that was going to be right behind it. And, you know, who knows? We're working right now off of the estimates. For all you know, when the actuals come in, the order could be, uh, you know, it could shake up a little bit. But still, Adam's family. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, Yeah, no. uh, Going back to to Black and Blue, uh, you know, Screen Jump has a really impressive of track record with Mm -hmm. uh, the Mm -hmm. films that they make, you know, uh, particularly targeted towards black audiences. And they've been test screening this movie for a long, long time Mm -hmm. because I I get a lot of those test screening advice or whatever. And it's it's great that it's doing an A-plus M score. The critics didn't like vibe with it it as much, apparently. But I think if the audiences are liking it, they're they're digging it. Um, Also, salute to Joker. I mean, number one, I can't believe it went to number two after Maleficent and then got back to number one. That's a huge victory. Um, And then also, too, just specialty box office, the lighthouse expanded, um, made three million, made three million dollars this weekend. And uh, uh, and and Jesus, Jesus came to Kanye West movie that accompanied the album opened in three hundred and seventy two IMAX theaters and made like a little over eight hundred thousand dollars and made like a a million worldwide. So that's good. I mean, that's that's a big salute. Um, So. I had a feeling that that was going to do pretty well when I walked out of my doctor sleep screening Mm -hmm. on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. You know, it was something like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. It was fairly late. And I saw a whole group of people just walk in asking for the next screening of that. So the the fact that people were coming Mm -hmm. out for the late screening, like, all right, I'm curious to see how much this accumulates. The big story this weekend is definitely Joker. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, this to me is just such pitch perfect timing. I don't necessarily know how much Warner Brothers could have pre-planned all this because I also think it's a matter of, you know, other studios uh, staking out certain dates on the release calendar. And, you know, in the case of Maleficent, the fact that the movie came out and it wasn't all that great and the buzz had died, just everything worked in Joker's favor. It's like that kind of landscape for the month of October. Then you have all the discussion it sparked, all the enthusiasm about the movie. I mean, that 35 drop is really something else. The fact that it nearly made $19 million at this point in its run is kind of wild to me. Mm-hmm. The question, though, I have now for you is, you know, not not to rain on its parade at all, but we do have a really big release hitting theaters mm. this weekend in Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah. How much of a threat is that going to pose to Joker? Are we going to see the bigger drop-offs at this point? I think it's absolutely going to be a threat to it um, because... The review, the other reviews for Terminator already are off the charts and people are excited to see it. And I think that's what people are waiting for. Is this going to be as good uh, as the other and the first two installments that we wanted, that we enjoyed and loved? And certainly it is. Certainly it's getting that kind of, certainly I feel that way. And so I think it's going to be incredible. I mean, Dorian watched all three Terminator movies in a row on Saturday, on Sunday rather, and he loved the third one. So I think it speaks and and transcends generations. It's a damn good movie. So a lot of people are going to come out to see it. But that being said, I still think Joker is going to power through and do its thing. Uh, Scott Mendelson on Forbes was saying it looks like it'll estimate around 975, but it depends on China. If China releases it and, and it gets a good amount of buzz, that will be the key to it crossing a billion dollars. And when you invest $55 million in a movie and you make a yeah. billion dollars, I hope Todd Phillips and everybody involved had a good contract in there to make some of that money and put it in their pockets because mm-hmm. that's an incredible uh, thing to accomplish. And it speaks volumes to the quality of the film, in my opinion. This isn't a bunch of incels running out to do screenings. These are people who love the movie, yeah. who want to come back and savor it and enjoy it as a piece of art. And I think that speaks more to Joker's power. And hey, there wasn't any violence. What a shock. And so all of that was just, as you said, Perry, it helped boost it up. But now what's keeping it there, I think, is people's enjoyment of the film and the quality of the film, in my opinion. And I really hope that that winds up being something that many other studios out there kind of really hold tight yeah. to. You don't have to spend 200 million plus to All make right. a great movie. Mm-hmm. You can spend 55 million and make some really daring and bold creative choices. And people are still going to come out, especially if you make a good movie. So yeah, hopefully yeah. more follow in uh, Joker's footsteps. And now. you don't have to worry about the R rating, I think, too. Yeah, no, and I, I think, uh, well, to, to the point of, of uh, Terminator competing with it, I still think Joker still has a lot of room mm-hmm. to breathe because, uh, for one, I think the reception has been so good and it's still on the tips of people's tongues. I mean, I literally just was arguing with people this weekend still mm. about Joker, you know what I mean? And, um, and people are still really excited about this movie. I think this goes to show that maybe the star this entire time wasn't Batman. Maybe it was the Joker. Um, we see the Dark Knight being the most cool. popular of the franchise, uh, of the most popular of the Batman franchise. The only Oscar win we've we've really seen in a major acting category True. for the Academy Awards in terms of a comic book movie. So I think the and I think this movie is going to have a lot of Oscar potential too. I think that is was going to push it over a billion. I think like if if. I think if they keep the release going uh, uh, long enough through Oscar season and even past that point, we could see this movie easily hitting a billion dollars. That's weird. People were pushing, people were initially like, you know, like people like me at the beginning were like, oh yeah, it's going to get nominated. And then people see it and you hear some of the middle, some of the mixed reviews like, I don't know, is it going to get nominated? But now the fact that it's making this push through the box office, I think you can't help but, then, but think that it's going to get nominated. And now has an even stronger chance to win, ironically, than it did when it first was released. So yeah. I find this to be a fascinating situation. I'm still on. kind of, you know, teetering on the edge with that. The only yeah. thing that I would think is still pretty much a lock at this point is a Joaquin Phoenix Phoenix Best Actor Certainly. nomination. Certainly. I don't think it. it's like you look at that list of Best Picture potentials. I, yeah, that's a great we, year. We can have 10 mm-hmm. nominations. It's not a guarantee we'll get all 10. Yeah. But even with 10, I'm having a very tough time putting all the films that I believe in into that ranked list. Mm. And I don't know. I, I do think that some of the mixed reaction with Joker could keep it out of a category like that. Yeah. But yeah. but Best but, Actor, but to Brian, me, is undeniable. Brian, Ty- Brian Tyler Henry's in it, and he was in three Best Picture nominees last year. So. He's yeah. like the good luck charm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe a Child's yeah. Play will get nominated, too. Uh, I'll, I thought, I'll, I'll, I thought so. he was delightful yeah. in that movie. He's one of my favorites out there. All uh, right. That's good. That's let's, good. Let's go into this uh, this next topic now, which is a, a funny transition to make after the comment of, you don't have to spend like 
$200 million plus on a movie. <laughs> this whole Pirates of the Caribbean reboot thing, this isn't a new news story per se, just because we know from back in 2008 they tried to make this happen. And mm -hmm. then uh, it was a Rhett Reese and Paula Wernick. They backed out of it, so it didn't go forward. Now, of course, they have new writers on board, so... You know, one could assume maybe this is the time for it to happen, for them to reboot this franchise. But I don't know. I think the biggest question here is, is this even worth doing when you consider how much money these Pirates movies cost to make? Is it worth doing? Yes, because there's still life in this franchise. The last one made $800 million. So I will say, yes, it's worth doing. Mm. But you're, you're going to get a fight for me if you want to do it without Johnny Depp. Uh, oh. I know what people say. I know how people feel. I get it. And, of course, more things are coming out, so there's a little more of a balanced point of view about that particular situation that people are holding on to and being sanctimonious about. And so, from my opinion, this is us in Hollywood would be like, oh, no, you know, it's, we shouldn't bring him back. But, look, it made $800 million with Johnny Depp. Yes, was it uh, $200 million less or a little bit uh, under $200 million less than the previous one? Sure. But it wasn't as precipitous of a drop as last night was for Transformers where you have to make that adjustment, right, with Michael Bay. This feels like you could still have Johnny Depp involved in this, but you've got to inject some new life. Are we going to get, you know, they tried to introduce new characters in the last one. Didn't really stick with a lot of people, right? It was, it's Johnny that they sells it. They tried to introduce people in the fourth one and it didn't stick it with did, people. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. So with, but with Johnny... What are you going to do here? Because are you going to have someone imitate Jack Sparrow, which yeah. is an imitation of Keith and, Richards? And I, just, they, I don't and, know how deep are we going to go with this? And they just changed the face at Disneyland to Johnny Depp. Right. So to me, I'm like, Johnny Depp is still a part of this franchise. This franchise still works. And it's a Pirates franchise, which never worked historically until this film. So to me personally, I think it has to keep – I think it's great to keep going. And in getting these writers to come in and inject new life into it, fantastic. But – you're walking a very, very thin line to think you can introduce new iconic characters into the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise that will carry it. We could end up like Bumblebee where it's a good movie and a lot of people like it, but it didn't make anywhere near the money that the great uh, money-making installments of that franchise did. I was all ready to weigh in about the franchise's box office history and how mm. it had uh, diminishing returns and everything, but uh, new box office mojo strikes again. It took me forever to find that information. <laughs> and now that I'm on the franchise page, I can only see domestic results, and I guess that confirms my statement because, what was it, uh... Yeah, Dead Men Tell No Tales <laughs> yeah. is the lowest of the lifetime grosses for the domestic box office with $172 million, And it's a pretty significant drop-off that seemed to be consistent from film to film. But I'm, I, I wish I could look up the, uh, the worldwide grosses, but yeah. I can't right now. They made it in a million worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, RB3, are you into this franchise at all? And do you actually, from a story perspective, want to see it rebooted? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because for me, like, uh, as a kid, it, it was kind of tra Transformers. And Pirates of the Caribbean were kind of coming out at the same time. So it was always that competition of, like, do you like Transformers more? Or do you like Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. more? The Michael Bay Transformers? Where do you stand on that, Roka? Uh, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's <laughs> tough. Oh, that's it's so actually true. tough. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really? I love them both equally. Yeah, I yeah. love them both equally. Yeah, yeah. We used to argue passionately as kids. Yeah, so now yeah. seeing it as an adult, and I even remember seeing the fourth one, even though I think the fourth one also made, like, a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. But I was in uh, Istanbul, Turkey, during that time. I was in middle school. And uh, I went to a theater to see the fourth one, and it was actually packed out full for a 3D showing. Um, so, like, it's still very popular internationally. I just don't know how it is in America. But for me, it's like, I I don't care enough about Johnny Depp either way to say, ah, I got five passionate for dare him. You. Or, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I, I do think, like, if you're, if you're going to um, scrap scrap this and do a whole new reboot you got to change it up completely mm -hmm. i think you got to go and they got the gray they got um the guy from chernobyl who's uh, the creator from chernobyl yeah. to do this i think it'll be cool if they lean into more of a historically accurate route like i think mm -hmm. it'll be really cool if it it took they stripped away all like a lot of the fantasy stuff i know it's a disney film and i know they're probably not going to do that but if they made it like a real pirate story and made it like really really like dope modern like not modern like in terms of the time period but modern in terms of the action and the set pieces and stuff like that i think it could be interesting and it'll differentiate it i kind of wish they franchise. would do that i yeah. i mean again it's disney this is never gonna happen mm -hmm. but this is one of those instances where i'm like go go dark yeah go, 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 you want a dark yeah a little bit well, go it's dark, pretty dark already go dark and go gritty but <clears throat> it's like with my first question is this worth it part of the reason why i think keeping this franchise alive will always be worth it is just because you know a big part of the appeal of movies is is wish fulfillment mm, is yeah. transporting yourself into a different time and place and going on a fantasy-like adventure 
And that's part of the reason why I got super into this franchise to begin with. And, you know, I'm never going to take away from what Johnny Depp did with this character because it's pitch perfect casting. And even in the most recent installment, I think he's always given this character his all. But I do think we've hit a point where... You know, as far as Jack Sparrow growing as a character mm. and what he's already given me, like I don't know what else is really there. I have found some of the other characters to be the more interesting players. He's just an enjoyable person to have around them in these movies. So I think I'm with you on this. If you're going to reboot it, just start start from scratch mm-hmm. find that other special person out there who is going to turn this franchise into like an epic star vehicle for themselves there right. there are people out there that could do this you don't necessarily need Johnny Depp i don't know i also don't think you necessarily need Jack Sparrow this is a rich world filled with so many different types of individuals show me something new yeah that's a hell of a chance to that was a, a lot of stinky faces i got there <laughs> well, that was, so it's a hell of a franchise take, chance to take on a franchise like i'm not saying Johnny needs to be at the forefront or the lead, right? Right. Johnny has to be involved in some way. Jack Sparrow has to be involved in some way. If it's Jack Sparrow's kid or something like that, then I can. Be- that could be possible. But like, if you do- if you remove Johnny, Johnny Depp is the foundation that this franchise is built on. No one's running out to go see. Let me go see what's going on with Elizabeth Swan or or Orlando Bloom's character. No, it was Johnny Depp that brought people in because Johnny Depp is the comic relief and enjoyment and fun of this of this franchise. And I think that to remove him is dangerous. I enjoyed Jeffrey Rush's performance quite no, a bit. He's great. Would, he's great. I would go Certainly. back to see to see more of him in that. That role. would be actually that would be awesome. Yeah, <sighs> Barbosa. <laughs> Listen, I think personally, like you got to think about Johnny Depp, right? Like he. He was an actor before yes, Pirates of the Caribbean came out, but the Pirates of the Caribbean made him a star. Yeah. I think today they could find a really, really great actor and put him in this vehicle and put him in the Pirates of, or him or her mm-hmm. or her and put them in the in the in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe and push it to the next level. Now wait, 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 were you now I'm were intrigued. you on that episode of Rumor Mill? Which one? So just the the one where pirates came up. No, very no recently. I don't think so. No. I, I can't remember who I was on it with. <laughs> someone someone had brought up the rumor that uh, Karen Gillan was in talks to take. <laughs> that could be really interesting. I might be so, down for that. It, it could be really interesting. Okay. I believe in her. Yeah. So so I think she is phenomenal, and I think she does a wonderful job. You know, going with more dramatic roles, and also getting yeah. like kooky crazy. I think what she's done in uh, you know Guardians, and also um, yeah. also uh, the name is escaping me. Jumanji. I, I think oh, yeah, Jumanji. Yeah. Was fun. She she can yeah. definitely be in a film franchise like this. The only thing that I would highly recommend Disney consider is to lower the budget. Yeah. Take that risk. Yeah. Take that risk to make something great, but mm-hmm. also make sure you're not burying yourself in a hole you can't get out of by spending. I mean, these movies. I want to. I want to look up information so bad, but it's <laughs> right. going to take so long. There is no doubt in my mind that most of these movies cost more than 150 million. Oh, make. sure, but oh, they, they also like brought, big, brought back like five, six times their spending so this the, is a track record where they've made money off no matter how much they spend but i hear your point think, Absolutely. think about bumblebee though right it's you know and and even hobbs and shaw to a degree hobbs and mm-hmm. shaw made less than uh the fast and furious films proper so you just need to you need to plan right. for that you need to get ready for that and then you need to make more money by spending less so that way you can put mm. your profits into the next one and continue to build on a franchise rather than putting all your eggs in the film one basket yeah, yeah. which so many studios do out there yeah, exactly. <laughs> drives me nuts. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to, oh, hey, plugs. So much content for you on the Collider Video YouTube channel. We've got stuff like, uh, hey, oh, sports time. I wonder who's on that show. And hey. also, rule of two. Check out these promos. Hey, guys, Riley here. And let me tell you about rule of two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, rule of two is that show. It drops down Collider Video's main YouTube channel, as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. Hey everyone, John Roca here, the host of Collider Sports Time. Well, you know, if you've been watching us every week, you know we break down the latest and the greatest in the world of sports, talk about the big issues, the big games, all of it with a rotating band of guests like Matt Nose and Josh McCuga. We've had Taylor Bashotti on. We've had so many great guests. Now, if you want to see more of Sports Time or you want to try it out for the first time, remember to subscribe to Collider Sports YouTube channel for all the sports goodness. 
Five minutes later, I found the production budget for the most recent Pirates movie, and it was a whopping $230 million. Ooh, that's cheap, though. Yeah. I, I think the third one was like $300 million, right, Do- if I'm not mistaken. Oh, don't dare me to look up another, <laughs> another movie now. But, but to Roka's point, the movie did make almost $800 million worldwide. So clearly these things still have quite the appeal. Giant. All right. You know what else has a whole lot of appeal to me, at least? The Grudge. So I have been waiting yeah. for this trailer for so, so long. It feels like it kept getting, you know, pushed, delayed, all that stuff. But it's finally here. This movie has a great cast, a very interesting director at the helm. I want to start with you on this, okay. Roka, because I know you're you're not the easiest to please when yeah. it comes to horror movies. So first trailer for the Grudge reboot. Are you into it? Yeah, this is fantastic. Scared the hell out of me at 8 in the morning when I'm watching it this morning. And I was just like, my God. And they bring back that iconic, uh, whatever noise it makes, uh, all of that that it does. And isn't this a Japanese source? Like it was a Japanese initial? Yeah. yeah, I remember when all J-Hor. of those came out, right? Mm-hmm. Those were great. The Ring, mm-hmm. uh, Grudge. Dark Water, even I enjoyed with Jennifer Connelly, which isn't the greatest one, but I enjoyed that one too. But this looks fantastic. I love that John Cho's in this. Um, I love that it's kind of a multinational cast too, with Damien Bashir in this mm-hmm. and uh, the British actress uh, from—I always forget her name. What the British actress who's in this from uh, from uh, Birdman? Uh, oh, Andrew Riseborough. Yeah, like all yeah. of these people getting involved in this. I love this. I love the uh, the, the the cast, the, the way it is, diverse cast, the way it is. Plus. I mean, and let me tell you something. It's got all the hallmarks of horror, isn't it? Looking into a pool of blood. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you looking into a tub full of blood? What is wrong with you? I see a tub full of blood. I'm out. I'm out. For some reason, John Cho got to look all in there. I don't know what's wrong with people in horror movies. There's so. no face in there. Yeah. There's no face in there, Did right? Did I ever tell you the, the Vegas story? I don't know if Dad's in the booth anymore, but he knows this. So when we went to our hotel for uh, Amazing Comic Con Las Vegas, I had to change rooms because uh, the... There was uh, blood in the tub? No, no, but the the tub was like dripping and it wouldn't stop. So they moved me to a new room. I went up to the new room. They said I could go up by myself and and just, you know, like wait there for the key. Or actually, that makes no sense. I went down and got the key, go up by myself to the room. And when I got there, the door was cracked open a little bit. And I I went in. You went in? Yeah. I mean, like, I went in slowly in case somebody else was there. Right. But I but I went in. And when I went down and I, I told that and the people we were with, they're like, are you nuts? Yeah, there could have been anything in there. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, they gave me they gave me the key and they told me I could go in. Maybe the room had just been serviced and the door had been, you know, left cracked yeah, open. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't it's, think twice about it. my Vegas. That's what Eddie Murphy said back in the 80s. White people just love to walk into that horror stuff. They just don't care. It's fun. That's why they're the <laughs> leads know. of these yeah, movies. You, you said it. That's I, why, I love John Cho coming in, though. John Cho's like, oh, something weird's going on here. And John the, Cho and Betty Gilpin, yeah. they make me serious. <laughs> this cast is just phenomenal because yeah. you got John Cho, Betty Gilpin, Jackie Weaver, who is... Jackie Weaver. Even with the Academy Award nomination, I still find that she is one of the most undervalued yeah. actors out yeah. there right now. But Andrea Riseborough, yeah, Riseborough. can do anything, yep. mm-hmm. anything at all. Seriously, just go, just go to her IMDb page. Pick a random three movies, and I guarantee you, you will never get the same performance mm. in any of those movies. So the wow. fact that she is involved in this gives me all the faith in the world. RB3. Are you into The Grudge? Uh, I'm super into The Grudge. I'm, in, I'm super into Japanese cinema in general and j uh, horror in, 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 in particular. Um, it was really interesting that we had that phase in the early 2000s. It's really sad to see that kind of phase out, but I'm glad mm-hmm. to see that this is a reboot that can kind of work. Um, I think the fact that Ghost House uh, Productions putting this together, Sam Raimi's yes. production company, uh, I think is amazing. Uh, they hire a lot of like young USC students mm-hmm. to be like their interns and stuff like that, too. So I think it's great. And, and obviously, they had that Crocodile movie uh, earlier in the year. Um, I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Crawl? Crawl. Crawl. Yeah, yeah. Was that Crocodile or Alligators? Alligators. Alligators, okay, I don't know the difference. But yeah, that was, uh, that was a good one. people just yelled at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that, was, that, was, that was great. Uh, and this movie feels pretty reminiscent of that. And plus, John Cho, I don't want to like, stop singing the praises of John Cho because I recently mm-hmm. saw a movie Searching oh, yeah. that he did. Absolutely so amazing. Good. Yeah, he was great. And he's a, he's a true star. So um, a, lot of, a lot to look forward to in this movie. So the other thing I wanted to point out here, and I'm probably Nick Pesci. Pe- Pesci? Sure. Yes. I don't remember the director of, um, of uh, Eyes of My Mother. 
that is a, a bold choice here. And I feel like I could already get little tinges of why he's such a unique director in this trailer. There, mm. There is something about it, and it takes a lot to freak me out in a trailer. There is something deeply unsettling about this, just the way the whole thing is cut together. And, you know, I know he's not sitting there cutting that. So props <laughs> to whoever cut that, because it's like, imagine that playing on the big screen before another movie. Yeah. I will bet you anything that a trailer like that gets an audible reaction from the crowd you know the only thing here that does raise some alarms for me is the january release date Mm, because you know when you release a horror movie the first weekend of january there is a good chance that that could make a lot of money but i also do think many studios look at that date and say well we got a not so great movie here let's put it there because at least we'll make a lot of money weekend one but I'm still holding out hope for this. I, I really do think mm. that this could be a worthwhile reboot regardless. Do you guys feel the same? I, I like that it's a January release date because I think it's like some films have got to take a chance to kind of break the schneid of the January stigma, right? I mean, February yeah. was that as well until all these superhero movies came out. Or like it, it with the first weekend of uh, September. Right, exactly. Uh, that yeah. as well. So someone's got to break the schneid in January. And this looks like a good attempt. Plus, it's a reboot of a reboot of a remake of a remake. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, so it's, you're not expecting it to blow the doors off the box office. But if it does really well and kind of shocks people with the amount of money it's making then you can make that claim hey we were the first studio and the first film that kind of shocked people in january and made some money and now it's a 12-month year of possibilities for movies uh and you break that once and for all so why not uh with this film i think it's i think it's a bold choice and i like it uh, let's see how it works out for him cotton, <laughs> Who's gonna- cotton? that's a dodgeball reference uh, that's a bold- uh, uh, some of you got it some of you got it, I didn't get it. Right, anyway. is it gonna make 900 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> no. nah, nah. it ain't joker All right. We got a whole bunch of time right now. So send in those live chat questions. We want to get a bunch of them here. There's some really interesting questions uh, about remakes and reboots right now, which seems to be semi the theme of this show here. The first one comes from Rick Zamoris, who is asking, what is the difference between a remake and a reboot? (laughs) Uh, I think that's pretty easy. I think a remake is uh, if you're remaking one particular movie. I think a reboot is like starting over a franchise. That's how I personally interpret mm. it. Um, but I don't know. I could be completely off in that. I but. think that there's no... I think that your definition makes a lot of sense, but I mm. think it's very confusing when we talk about it on this show because I don't think studios and trades necessarily use those words correctly or... Mm. I mean, we know what happens when a trade story hits the internet. It's not necessarily a firm... Uh, a firm you know, uh, confirmation from mm. the studio, let's say. Yeah. Sometimes maybe their source could pass the word remake to them when the studio really intends for it to be a reboot. So I don't know. In the case of Pirates, for example, I would call, based on what I'm getting from the stories thus far, that a reboot because it doesn't necessarily sound like they want to remake Curse of the Black Pearl. They mm. want to reinvigorate the franchise. They want to start yeah. fresh. But are you rebooting if you keep Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow? I still think you could I be rebooting. Yeah. Still, you still call it a reboot? In, if uh, they... Mm. I was about to say if they go with Johnny Depp and he's not the lead, then they still could be rebooting the franchise, reinvigorating the franchise with new things. But now that I say it, even if they kept Johnny Depp in the lead role, there are still other ways, I think, to make it a reboot. You could, I don't know, completely change the the tone or style of the movie. You could put uh, Jack Sparrow in a completely different location for all I know. I think we have to find a new term for it. Because, like, look at Jumanji, right? Jumanji has just one reference to Alan Parrish. Maybe a second reference... But is that a sequel? That's a sequel. Is that, it a sequel? That's a sequel and a reboot. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Well, I so, think the so se- there's a lot of yeah. like, oh, what that Ghostbusters was with... Uh, with uh, that was a reboot. Melissa McCarthy, is that reboot. a reboot? Because you have Bill Murray in this thing. You're using the same... Uh, you know, use the same theme no, song, and you're saying 30 years later. Yeah. So it's like you're connecting it without <laughs> connecting it. So people need to be very clear about this, though. This, this what, about a, what about a reboot call? See, that's why I, people, I like, no, I like people that. People genuinely use that term. Because you know what? I think that applies to movies like Creed. I think that applies yeah. to movies like Mad Max Fury Road. I Creed think is that not applies. a reboot. You, you I think that's Creed's a, a reboot? Yes, I think that's a reboot. Because oh, it's not even Rocky anymore. It's not even a Rocky movie anymore. Yeah. It's, it's Rocky's oh. a side character. Oh. But see, I think oh. if they, I, would, I would be interested if they do a Pirates of the Caribbean in that style, oh, too, though. Where, it's like John, accept, where Johnny yeah. Depp's like the mentor figure. Yeah. I could see that, too. I think Mad Max Fury Road is... They say technically that's a sequel, but 
To me, I consider that a reboot, yeah. too, because it's completely recast. I feel like the word reboot is just so directly mm. tied to reinvigorating a franchise, breathing new life into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like any movie that does that with a familiar property. I consider is- The Force Awakens a reboot, personally. Wow. I, I personally consider it that, but I don't know. You know, it gave a new life. That to might be a step too far for me. And similarly, I would call Terminator Dark Fate a sequel and not a reboot. A sequel? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, this is too much. To, I I think it has a reboot. I think the reboot rebootquel works for Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, and I don't want to call it reboot take. Reboot take is that what, what is a that? Remake. A reboot and a remake at the same <laughs> oh, time. Yeah, I like that. I that, like that's that. impossible. I don't want to say that wrong. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna continue going down this black hole and never emerge. <laughs> I do have one other reboot question here. Oh. Abob is asking the worst reboot ever. Oh, that's tough. Wait, Roka, I have a question for you. Oh, no. Would you consider Independence Day Resurgence a reboot? Oh. That is not a reboot. That's a sequel. Yeah. All the characters <laughs> yeah. come back. All the characters come back. <laughs> it's a fun old time. So then why isn't Dark Fate? Or did you say Dark Fate is a reboot? No, I, I didn't. Said I it was wasn't. trying. Right. No, you said it was a reboot. No, I, oh, say, it's, it a I say it's a sequel. Yeah. yeah. All right. And I, I said because they've had other installments, it makes it confusing to say it's a sequel. Mm. Because that's the thing. Like, yeah, I, but it's a I, rec, it's a retcon. Oh no, more that's, words. There, there no. we go. It's not even a retcon. I don't think 100. percent Oh, it? it's a retcon. Oh yeah, because you're removing the Because it mythology. erases everything Oops, that was released that. after T2. Yeah, so that so that way I don't think you can call it. Wait, so so in that case, is Halloween? Wait, is Halloween a sequel or a reboot? The yeah, new one. That's a reboot. That's a rebootquel. That's a, it's a rebootquel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 It's right I don't like this conversation. This is, this is James crazy. Cameron, uh, aliens. Can we do a reboot call for that? I'd be very happy to see that. Um, worst, worst reboot. Re- I don't know. What's the worst worst reboot ever? Um, I mean, if if I Resurgence counts as a, a reboot, I would re- say that it's a sequel. Everybody, um, John Hirsch is in it. I'm going with the Mummy, the Tom Cruise one. That's oh, pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. pretty bad. I mean, they they really tried with that one, but oh. I thought that it was close. You know. Okay. Um. I mean, this is another, you know, is it a sequel or a reboot thing? I was pretty disappointed in Men in Black International. Oh, I, I thought I did have, like, I was fine sitting there and watching it. And there were beats in it that I did think had a mm-hmm. whole lot of potential. But I really did want that to serve the reboot purpose where it really did bring the franchise back to life and yeah. continued. So while I didn't think, I really didn't think it was as bad overall as many others out there did. But I do think it's very disappointing from a reboot standpoint. Hmm, for sure. Uh, I, mm, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I would oh, say no. Superman Returns. Oh, wow. wow yeah, the, wow. Two, the, the okay. 2005 one. Oh, wow. I absolutely hate that movie. <laughs> I, I, love, I love Brandon Ralph in the movie. Always felt he was wow. hard done by that film. And I'm glad he's come back to play, uh, play what he plays in the Arrow series and get him. And now that he's wearing the clothes again for the crossover, I'm excited for that. But that film is terrible. They, it, it, Singer essentially traced the first movie in a way that Force Awakens didn't with no ingenuity at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you add Super Kid and you Kate Bosworth is maybe the worst Lois Lane I've ever seen. So like <laughs> all everything about the reboot was so incredibly wrong. And uh, as, and they were trying to bring back the vibe of the Donner Superman, but they, uh, to me, they failed terribly. I feel like there's another obvious answer we're yeah. missing here, and I just like I can't figure it out. Mm. So let's think about it while we move on to a Jonathan Peck question. I saw Dolomite as my name last Friday. Mm. What's your favorite Eddie Murphy film? Oh, Coming to America. It's not even a question. Mm. It's not even a question. It's, uh, to me, it's not even a question. The most quotable of his films. The, the one that is the most universally beloved, I think, and the one that crosses multiple generations, you can enjoy that if you're 10 years old. You can enjoy that if you're 80 years old. And I think not a lot of his movies can do that. This one, well, he's the lead, rather. Obviously, obviously Mulan, and, but, but this one is, is the one. Yeah, mm. for sure, for sure. Um, I, I got to go with uh, Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. personally. Yeah, that one makes me laugh the most. The banana in the tailpipe just always kills me for some reason. Um, there's a lot about that movie that just makes me laugh, so that, that one's up there for sure. Right on. I'm trying to think of the ones that I used to watch growing up the most, and uh, it was Dr. Doolittle, and also also Mulan. I mean, just to give a little credit yeah. to a great voice 
voice. Yeah, but sure, I mean, because sure, he's yes. one of he's one of the best of the best as far as voice actors go. It's oh, like yep. the, Donkey the, and Mulan, the Shrek yeah. franchise mm-hmm. is not my favorite, but you can't deny the fact that he is he's kind of brilliant oh, as yeah. Donkey. Oh, for sure, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So I, I think I'm going to give a little love to his uh, his voice performances here. But I cannot wait to watch Dolomite. Yeah, that's it's so good. That's yeah. going to be my uh, my going back to New York movie mm-hmm. for for when I go home on a Thursday night, and I'm well, so excited. Don't don't be surprised you're laughing all the way through the pl- and the plane. Like everyone people, will be people sleeping, give you a but look. me it'll yeah. be fine. You should be waking people be, up from laughing. I'm already so tempted to be like the one jerk who goes on that plane dressed in a Halloween costume. So what can make <laughs> me even weirder than that? Yeah, it's, you know. Also, underrated Eddie Murphy one. I just got to throw out there is Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Uh, that's that's yeah. obviously like that mm. with, with Steve Martin. I mean, come on. I'm like, and it's about filmmaking. Yeah. It's like it's like a precess to the Dolomite, honestly. And I would argue the first hour of Dreamgirls, he's incredible in that film. Oh, for sure. He's and great, yeah. Alan Arkin did not deserve that Best Supporting Actor. Uh, it was should have gone to Eddie. If Eddie hadn't dropped Norbit, I think Eddie would have won that thing. Yeah, for sure. Going away, uh, unfortunately, because there's nothing Alan Arkin did in Little Miss Sunshine that he hadn't done in 70 other films. Mm-hmm. Eddie was great in, in uh, Dreamgirls. Yeah. All right, going up the list here. I spy one from J. Scott Farrell, who's asking, which A24 films would you most be open to seeing a sequel to? That's a really good question. Oh, Oof, that's damn. Interesting. That's that's a, deep. That would be a great question. I, I already mm. know my answer. It's, okay. la- it's Lady Bird. Really? Oh, yeah. that's good. That's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Oh, I, I just think... Okay. I also think so I'm very into the idea of coming of age movies because mm-hmm. we traditionally think of them as, you know, the like the teenage phase coming into coming of age from being a kid to an adult. But you right. can come of age at any point in your life. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That would just be a really interesting thing, especially if, you know, Saoirse Ronan stayed attached to that film mm-hmm. and we could revisit that character at all different stages of her life. I don't mm-hmm. know. That could be interesting. I like three. Uh, I like to see what happens in Room. What happens now next? Mm. A sequel to Room okay, or a okay. sequel to Ex Machina now that she's out there? Ex Machina is good. That is an right? excellent yeah. call. What would That's that good. be like for her I being want Ex out Machina there now? Too. And how yeah. can you walk the line to not compare to Westworld? That yeah, would be interesting to see how they could that walk that line. Uh, you mentioned Lady Bird. I think that's a good one. It's, oh, The Witch. I think The Witch could work no. in multiple decades, like different times is what I mean. If that, if that. They can make a, I think they could. I mean, like a this, 17, is something, uh, this is something I think that I would only would want to okay. do. I think they can make a Western version of that movie, like honestly really well. Of The Witch. Huh. Yeah, yeah, of The Witch. Like yeah. set in like a Western yeah. okay. 18th, uh, 19th century type of, type of time period. I don't know. That's just me. Right. Because um, persecuting, what was it? You know, it's basically about showing the witches and all this and how they mm-hmm. got persecuted. Mm-hmm. That has transcended time. So you could make it through different uh, time periods in our history in, in, in that way. When you first when you first said the witch, I immediately thought of the ending of it. I'm like, no, like uh, yeah. that to me is like a, a hard, it's a hard, ending a hard sure. cut off right <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, but the yeah. idea of seeing that play out, and you know, like especially if you ta- like you kept it horror, but you tapped yes. into different, different genres. Yes. I don't know. Could yeah. be interesting for me. I I, I love the Florida Project, uh, mm. uh, Sean Baker's film, mm. and I would love to see the, those kids. Yes. That story continue. Um, just being, and I think just the whole drop, the backdrop of Disney World and how that's still developing is. I think that'd be really great. Mm. Also, too, um, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's much of a story to, left to tell, uh, but I would like to see a sequel to the Disaster Artist to some extent, like uh, oh, Disaster sequel. Artist. Mm. I mean, I think I don't know if there's much story left for that, but yeah. I think. That's the that still could be really funny. Like uh, instead was, instead uh, of the making the making of the room, the, making, the making of, of the, the disaster, disaster artist. artist. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could. I could. I, I, that could all right, all right. Yeah. I, I would semi be open to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know though. All right, <laughs> let's get let's get something from. I just spied a question that I liked, and now it's gone. All right, you. I'm going to let you two answer this one, but okay. I'm not going to because it's going to be a surprise. Star Orbit's agent is asking us, uh, what was your... Oh, <laughs> now I picked a different question. What was your favorite Halloween costume you wore that was based on a movie character? Someone, someone also had asked us what we're dressing up as this Halloween, which I am going to not answer, so oh. get both questions now. What are you dressing up for as Halloween? Mm. And then what was your uh, favorite <laughs> Halloween costume you wore based on a movie character? Uh, I'm not creative with Halloween costumes, so every year I just end up getting really lazy and just wearing like a like a Kawhi jersey or, or, or Alonzo Ball jersey or something like that. But, uh, but uh, I, I, I mean, 
I've always wanted to go. Uh, I've always wanted to go as Luke Cage, but I can never fully commit to shaving my head. So uh, that that that's that's a dream one. I think one day I'll get there. Right on. But, uh, favorite Halloween costume? I've always I've I've always loved Spider Man. That's always been my my Spider Man bag. Jesus, I don't. You know, I don't really dress up as. I don't. I'm not a Halloween guy. It's not a big deal to me. So I don't really. I haven't dressed up in like five years. So it's not. It's not a big deal to me. Mm. Uh, I find as I get older, I care less and less about holidays, except for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but th- that being said, I, I, my, I think the best one I ever dressed up is not. It's not a movie thing, but it was Elvis. Uh, about ten years ago, I dressed up with a full jumpsuit, uh, had the cape, I see that. had the glasses, yeah. and my hair was long enough that it kind of looked like that. And in fact, on the plane. Coming home, uh, or going home to Christmas that year, a lady asked me if I was an Elvis impersonator because of my hair. So, like at that time, I'd grown it out so much. Cool, uh, but that but was probably I almost my favorite didn't one. hear any of that because you're such a holiday <laughs> Grinch. I can't. Yeah, I was like, right now. I'm not saying you can't. Enjoy, go and enjoy yourself. You need, you I need, don't care. Like, do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need? No, uh, not at all. I'm, I'm quite happy. I not think you just it. need like a good Halloween party or no, something. You're I not, was invited you're not three of them over the weekend. I didn't go. It was my jam. Exactly. I didn't want to see. I just know. I used to go to West Hollywood. You're not doing october right i I think i'm doing it just fine did you did you go to any of the like the haunted mazes or the pop-up i don't need to do that anymore but you do i did it when i was younger you just don't know it i had a good time when i was younger doing them they were fun the universal halloween horror nights is great i'm telling when i get to do it i would like to bet that if you went back to let's say a horror nights or something like that Mm -hmm. that would kind of like spark a little bit of extra love for Halloween. It's like when I walked out of that Killer Clowns from Outer Space yeah. maze, first thing I thought of is I have to rewatch that movie. First thing I did when I got home is I rewatched that movie. Hey, mm-hmm. It gives yeah. you that feeling. It does when you're that age. It all does. Right. For sure. When you're my age, it's like we've done it all. This, yeah. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. I got to walk where? All the way down the ramp and then all the way back. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. You got real life horrors to worry yeah, about. Yeah, I got real life yeah. horrors to worry yeah. about. Well, yeah, exactly. When Roka is just sitting in the office in his plain clothes on Thursday, being all boring, I'll be at this desk in costume yeah. not spoiling anything Uh-oh. but it's it's ridiculous what about a hint can ridiculous. you give a hint ridiculous can you give a hint it's something that's gonna make hosting this show extremely awkward and difficult oh. but I'm going to to try to make it work I think the only I really liked um, actually on Collider Nightmares when I dressed up as like Bloody Sydney on mm. in a Scream on the show. Right. But there was one year where I just told this story to somebody where I was determined to dress up as uh, something from District 9 because I love that movie oh, so good. much. So I bought I found this T-shirt online where it was like a prawn shaking hand with a human hand saying, you know, like prawns and humans unite. And I had like one contact in. I had an alien hand and everything. And nobody knew who I was. Wow, I was tough. so mad. That's, I don't think that's so a bum. very iconic. Like, no, it's design. not. It's not at all. It's like, I don't want to be t- something too obvious. I want to yeah. be something that I have to put yeah, a little thought nice. and creativity right, into, right, but right. then it blows up in your face like that. Yeah. It's funny. Cause my, uh, I had a history teacher in high school who dressed up as the big Lebowski and it's like, oh. and nobody got it. I went to a math oh, and no. science high school, so nobody like watched movies. So nobody got that. He was uh, what? nobody. Yeah, nobody watched movies. Not uh, even movies about math and science. There's so many good I mean, ones out there. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe like four, you know, <laughs> or five. Uh, but but uh, what? Good Will Hunting. I think that's maybe. Yeah, it. that works. Um, imitation game. Imitation game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that came out when I was a senior. That's so it was true. Already, it was already too late. Did you all dress up as Neil deGrasse Tyson? Just everybody dressing up as. A Neil lot of people did Neil deGrasse Tyson for sure. For sure. I mean, that's the easy one. Um, a lot of people did Elon Musk too. But, yeah, that was, that was that's good. good. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we can get in here that I have not already asked. Wow. Oh boy. Oh, this is a big question. Lau is asking, what has been your favorite your favorite year for film over the past five to ten years and why? Favorite year for way film? Too yeah. Deep. I, I think five I, to I, ten, I, five huge. ten films. Um I, I think I got I think I have an answer. Do you uh, really? Yeah, yeah. For me, there's really no time period. Uh that really top topped it for me than twenty fourteen. Because 2014 gave us Birdman, it gave us Boyhood, which a lot of people disagree with, but it's a really great. And I honestly, to me, when I think of the quality of the year, I think of the quality of the Best Picture nominees. And and 2014, 2015 had a really great uh, back-to-back season, but to me, 2014 had. Had a lot of experimentation. Interstellar came out in 2014. Oh, okay. Um, so there's a lot of interesting cinema that came out. In I'm going to go with RB3's answer. I yeah, like that. I everything you, everything yeah. you brought up, I, I loved. Um, I think the easiest way is to go to the list of Best Picture nominees. 
uh, from every year and then see mm-hmm. how many of those you still love and still hold up and still have a, have a good place in your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the way to do it. In 2014, you just mentioned all those things. Guardians of the Galaxy, Gone Girl, the Lego Movie, Nightcrawler. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's a good that's choice. That's a pretty good list. Whiplash. I- I think uh, the first year my mind went to was 2013, just because mm. I, I think of The Conjuring and what that mm. did for horror. Oh, and that, that yes. movie that movie was my favorite movie of that particular year. Then I also, I think, uh, I think Short Term 12 might have been 2012, or maybe it, it debuted at a festival 2012 and came out 2013. Yeah, yeah, I think that could be the case. This is another, another time of the show when Box Office Mojo's uh, <laughs> yearly calendar would come in handy that I can't access Can right I now. say, though, I think... I think the short-term 12 might be one of the top four movies of the decade, for sure. Or wow. the past decade. I love that you're sure. saying that. Yeah, yeah. Look at you. Just I trying love to get back s- on this show. He's not wrong. No, and it's, it's super <laughs> cool, too, when you look at that cast and you see all the success that have come their way. It's just oh, yeah. like really, like, everybody truly, deeply movie. talented. Like, literally everybody. Mm-hmm. And now with uh, Destin Crenton doing a Marvel movie. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just so happy for them. I want to throw 2010 in there. The American... Social the, network. The fighter, social network. Mm-hmm. How to train your dragon. Yeah. There's a lot of people love. Toy In, Story 3. Toy Story 3. Inception. Mm-hmm. Inception. Mm-hmm. The King's Speech. This is good mm-hmm. stuff. Was Mad Max Fury 2015? 2015. Yeah. That so was there, my second There's choice. another That's shout out for 2015 because I also True think that grits. was the year that Inside Out came out, which oh, is now my yeah. favorite Pixar movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And also the same year that uh, Ex Machina came out as well. That's yeah. true, too. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what? Every year is great. Every you pick your boom. year and it's got great movies <laughs> in it. it. RB3 Roka, thank you so much for spending your Monday morning with me. Thank you. Same thank you. to Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. Guys, there is so much good stuff coming your way on the Collider Video YouTube channel like Collider Live at 10 a.m. Pacific. So be sure to make your way over there and then come right back here tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. PT for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 it's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.